It's great to be with you guys this morning. It's great to have our, our friends and uh, family outside. I think Kurt may be able to show them all huddled up out there. Welcome, everybody out there. Welcome to the folks that are online as well. You can tell that uh, summer has begun because it's a little, little more sparse than normal in here. But we've got something great for you. So uh, are you guys familiar with, with the tale of King Arthur and the sword and the stone? Yes? Well, I'm going to give you a little twist on this this morning, and you're going to have to sit in eager anticipation until I get to this point, all right, before I explain it all to you. Hey, over the last few weeks, Sutton and I have been talking about the Holy Spirit, just as we were singing that song, and um, we're talking about who He is and, and what He does. And Sutton did a great job last week. If you weren't here, you really missed it. You need to go online and, and watch it. But I want to steal part of his illustration, because I was really impacted by it, he took this, this helium tank and a balloon to represent us. And so we are this balloon and sort of a limp balloon, you know, without the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and he demonstrated that with, um, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, one of the great things that happens is we receive the Holy Spirit. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so this balloon right now is filled with helium but in essence, filled with the Holy Spirit, right? So that is true. But one of the things that I really appreciated was the fact that he was pointing out that this isn't meant to be a one-time event. You don't just receive the Holy Spirit and you're done. No, the idea is that you have this continual filling of the Holy Spirit, of his presence, of his power, and ultimately of his influence. Because with just a little bit of helium, there's not a lot of influence on this balloon, is there? But if it's filled to greater capacity, then the helium has greater influence on it. And the same is true of our lives. So if we are continually being filled, you know, with the presence, the power, the fruit, the gifting of the Holy Spirit, if we allow him to influence us more and more, he will carry us along and as we allow him to rule and reign in our lives, we get a taste of what it is to experience the kingdom of God here on earth, just like it is in heaven. And so, great illustration. I want to build on, on that a little bit um, this morning. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit out on you all. You know, may you receive the Holy Spirit this, this day. But um, I want to look at the correlation between the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. There's a connection, a direct connection between the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Um, I don't know if you've read this in the Bible, but in a number of places, especially in Ephesians 6, the Word of God is referred to as the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. And so I want you to keep that in mind. We're going to be looking at John chapter 14. So if you have a Bible you want to turn there or you got a device you want to follow along, please do that. If you have a church Bible, it's page 1034. You can follow along. But let me set the stage so you understand what's going on. The setting is the Last Supper. That's what we've um, come to know it as. So Jesus has gathered together with his disciples, and they're having this last meal together, although they don't know it's going to be the last meal. Only he does. And um, he's teaching them a great deal. You should go read this section of John. He is teaching them so much. It was a long meal, 
All right, and so in the midst of, of this, he's preparing them um, for what life's going to look like after he leaves, and he's also encouraging them and reassuring them that everything is going to be okay. So we're in John chapter 14, and what we're going to look at are verses 15 through 17, then I'm going to jump ahead a little bit to verses um, 25 and 26. So follow along with me if you will. This is Jesus speaking. He says, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. Again, he's predicting the coming of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Then jump ahead to verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, so he's pointing out who that advocate is, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Now notice, first of all, look at the correlation again between love and obedience in verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. Now, we don't earn God's love because we keep his commands. We keep his commands because we've already experienced God's love. And by keeping his commands, it's, it's a tangible way that we show him that we love him, right? So you have God's love. Hopefully, you've experienced God's love. And in response to his love, as a way to say, I love you back, we keep his commands. It makes sense, right? And, and here's the thing. Um, you may recall from that Last Supper, remember what Jesus did at the very beginning of the meal? So they were all gathered together, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to blame it on John. You know, John didn't make the proper preparation to have their feet washed, right? And so what did Jesus do? Well, he took off his outer robe, and he took a towel, and he got down on his knees, and he began to wash the disciples' dirty feet. And he was giving them a tangible sign, just a, a, a visual of what it looks like to truly love others, to, to humble yourself before others, to put other people's needs above your own. And remember, when he finished washing their feet, what did he say to them? He said, I want you to go and wash other people's feet. This is a new commandment that I'm giving you today. And then um, after that, John records Jesus saying this. It's, it's in John 13, 35. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so the, the primary characteristic of a disciple is loving others. And that's how they're going to know that we are followers or disciples of Jesus by the way that we love one another. And so um, we see here that love and obedience, they go hand in hand. Love and obedience go hand in hand. You can't say, I love Jesus, but then not obey him. You can't say, I love you, Jesus, but I'm going to do my own thing. No, love and obedience have to go hand in hand. You can't have love without obedience. It just doesn't work. Because if, if you have love without obedience, then there's really no love at all. So, um, we begin by, by pointing that out. Now, Jesus knew that nobody could live and love and, and lead like him on their own and their own power. He knew that they needed divine intervention. And so this is where the Holy Spirit really comes in. 
This is part of his role. This is the divine influence in our lives. This is why that illustration with the balloon is so important. If we don't have the Holy Spirit's presence, we don't allow his power and his fruit and his gifting to begin to really influence our lives, then we'll never be able to love like Jesus calls us to love. That's part of the role of the Holy Spirit, and we've been talking about that over the last few weeks. Now, I want us to move into verse 16 here. Again, this is Jesus speaking. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Now, Jesus was promising to send another advocate um, to help us once he was gone. So the Greek word for another is Alan. Alan, and it means another of the same kind, another of the same kind. And what Jesus was saying is, I'm going to ask the Father to send you another of the same kind, one just like me, the Holy Spirit, who is fully God, just as Jesus was fully God. That's the Holy Spirit. He's our advocate. He's our helper, just like Jesus was our advocate. He's our helper. Now, one of the interesting things is, is he points out that if, if you are truly a follower of his, that you have received the Holy Spirit, that he will be with you forever, forever. Once he comes, he does not leave. He will never leave you nor forsake you, which is great news. It's not just good news, it's great news. Because think about Jesus. How long was Jesus walking the face of the earth? How long was Jesus with us? 33 years. That's it. 33 years Jesus was with us. How long has the Holy Spirit been with us? Since Jesus left. The Holy Spirit has been with us, but not only with us, but if you're a follower of his, he's been in us. And he promises, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you forever. That is great news. So that's part of the role of the Holy Spirit. Also, um, the Holy Spirit opens up our minds. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, to understanding God's Word, and, and that's critical. Um, so I want to get to this point. If you look at verse 17, at the very end of it, it refers um, to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of truth. He is the Spirit of truth. So what truth is Jesus referring to here? Well, the truth is what we call the Bible or the Holy Scriptures. This is the inspired Word of God. This is God's truth wrapped up so nicely for us. And Timothy, so if you go to 2 Timothy 3, look at verses 16 and 17, he says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So think about that. So we've got the Word of God here. It's God breathed through men, through the power and influence of the Holy Spirit. So God has spoken through men, written down through the power and influence of the Holy Spirit. This is full of God's truth, and it has a purpose. And so part of the purpose is really to teach us about who God is and about his creation and how the two interact with one another, 
Um, it, it's especially helpful to rebuke us. We don't use that word a lot, but it's to rebuke us. It's so that when, when our thinking and, and our actions are really out of alignment with God, he can rebuke us. And then he can bring correction, right? So that's part of the point of rebuking. It brings correction, so it gets us back on the right path. And then it, it's also useful for training us in all things that are right so that we are fully and thoroughly equipped for every good work that God has already planned and prepared for us. That's part of the purpose of the Word of God. That's what the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Spirit, does for us. He brings understanding. He, he brings this to light for us. Now, um, again, this is the most valuable book ever. Did you know that? This is the most read book ever, or at least, let me, let me qualify that, it's, it's the best-selling book of all time. You know, over 5 billion copies of this have been sold. Over 5 billion copies. You know what the next bestseller is? Me either. The, uh, but it's not even a billion. Like, it, the Bible is so far above the next best-selling book. Over 5 billion. And here, here's the thing that, that troubles me, though. So imagine, there, there's more than enough. Like, most of us have multiple Bibles, don't we? But a lot of people have never read it. A lot of people that call themselves Christians and would consider themselves followers of God, they never really read the most popular, the most valuable, the most important book ever written. See, a lot of times, and especially if you look out at a early history after the time of Jesus, for centuries, people just relied on a priest to read it for them and, and to give them sort of the Cliff Notes version of it and, and say, hey, here's some good tips for you. But they never read it for themselves. And in their defense, most of them never had access to it. There was limited access to the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. But... That's not the case anymore, is it? Like, this has been translated into almost every single language on the planet. We are without excuse, and yet still, many of us have never really taken the time to read it or to internalize it, to really allow it to affect our lives. And so why is that? Why is that? Why is it that we haven't taken the time to read it, to understand it, or to apply it to our lives? Well, I was thinking, maybe it's because we don't have the Holy Spirit. Remember, it's his, his role. Only he can bring about understanding. Without the Holy Spirit, this is just ink on a page. I, I mean, there's some good stuff in here, but it won't come alive. It won't transform you without the power of the Holy Spirit. So maybe we don't have the Holy Spirit. Or, or maybe we don't really love Jesus like we say we do. You know, maybe we don't really want to know what he commands, what he teaches. Or maybe we don't want to be obedient to what he commands or what he teaches. I don't know what the reason is, but I'm sure you know many people that may have a copy or multiple copies of this important book and have never really read it and couldn't tell you what's in it. So that's the challenge. Um, you know, it says, look at verse 26 again with me. Said, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. 
Again, maybe we don't understand the Bible, the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, because we don't have the Holy Spirit revealing it to us. Or, um, you know, maybe he doesn't remind us of what's in here because we've never been minded of what's in here, right? So you can't be reminded of something that you've never been minded of. You get that? Like, like you have to put it in in order for it to be taken out. And if we haven't availed ourselves to the Word of God, if we haven't taken the time to put it in, then we shouldn't expect that the Holy Spirit's just going to supernaturally take it out. Although he can do that, we have a responsibility in this. He can't remind us of what we don't already know. That's a critical piece. So um, it convicts me that maybe as we look at the second part of verse 17, maybe this is more true of us than, than we might like to admit, especially those of us who are, you know, quote unquote, church people. It says the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. And so it begs the question, do you know the Holy Spirit? Do you personally know the Holy Spirit? Have you received him? Have you experienced his presence and his power, his gifting and his fruit in your life? Do you know the Holy Spirit? That's where it's all got to begin. Now, I want to get to my illustration because I put a lot of time in this thing. Actually, I didn't put any time into it, but I had um, Kim Asbury put a lot of time into this. So um, I don't want it to be lost. So you guys remember The Sword and the Stone. So actually, The Sword and the Stone is a novel in 1938 by T.H. White. And um, most of you probably have not read the novel, but you've seen the Disney cartoonish version of it, right? Let's just be honest. Like, that's, that's what we know about the tale of the sword and the stone and King Arthur. But in case you um, haven't grown up like some of us with that, so we, we have kids of all ages, and, and man, our older kids, we used to watch this thing time and time again. I love it. It's one of my favorite shows. So you should go get, um, I think it's still in VHS form, um, you know, so you can get that. Some of you old people, just plug it into your VHS, and you'll be good to go. But uh, you can probably just download it these days. So um, the tale goes like this. So the king of England at the time, so um, Luther Pendragon was his name, and he died, but he didn't leave an heir to the throne. He didn't leave an heir to the throne. So after he died, this, this sword appeared out of nowhere, and it was impaled in this stone, or depending on which version you read, in an anvil. And this was the tale about the sword, that only the rightful king of England could pull the sword from the stone. And many men came, and they tried to pull the sword from the stone, and they all failed. Until one day, this young servant boy by the name of Arthur came, and he grabbed hold of the sword, and he pulled it out of the stone. And he became the rightful king of England. Now, I got a little different take on it this morning for you. So remember what I said the word of God is? What is it? It's the sword of the spirit. So imagine that the sword is the word of God. And, you know, many, many people, many noble people, maybe um, 
Many people of great intellect, even professors in universities, have gazed upon this sword. They've even embraced it and read it. But none of them were able to understand it and properly wield it apart from the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit. See, it's only the power of the Holy Spirit that enables anyone, no matter how intelligent or noble they may be, to rightfully wield the sword of the Spirit. And see, here's the mystery of it all. So many have tried, and many have used this for their own purposes. See, that's what they wanted. Many men had come to try and take the sword out of the stone, and it was for their own purposes, right? They wanted the power that it offered them. Many men have tried to do the same thing with the Word of God, with the sword of the Spirit. And because they weren't empowered by the Holy Spirit, what happened was not that it produced life for them, as it does for for many of us, It produced death. See, the words in here are like a sword, and and it's like a scalpel, and it can produce life if you have the power, the presence, the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life. The words in here are words of life, but if you don't, they're words of death. They lead to your destruction. And so that's how it's been for centuries. Now, the beauty of this is that um, the sword of the Spirit, it's reserved for the true heirs to the throne of King Jesus. Did you know the way you become an heir to the throne is, is just like Arthur? You come humbly, just as a humble servant, you bow before the king, before King Jesus. You confess your unworthiness. You turn and, and, and commit your life to following him and his commands. And he says, rise up. You are now heir to my throne. Take hold of the sword of the spirit. And when that happens, you can extract the sword from the stone. All of a sudden, the word of God begins to make sense. You have understanding, and the more you allow it to infiltrate your mind and your heart, then you begin to learn how to wield it properly. It becomes an instrument of life, not an instrument of death. You see, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are the rightful heir to the throne of King Jesus. You can possess the sword and the stone, the sword of the spirit. The spirit of truth enables you to do that. Now, here's the thing. At the end of that supper, when when Jesus was talking with the disciples, he he said this, and and I hope this is is true of us. Um, He said, but you know him, For he lives with you and will be in you. So he's referring to the Holy Spirit. And he was giving them those words of encouragement. That it wasn't just going to be God with us, because Jesus was God with us, but now it's going to be God in us. And so he was was predicting the coming of the Holy Spirit, that he would indwell all those who were the rightful heirs to the throne. And so 
That promise that Jesus had for his disciples back then is the same promise that he has for us today. And here's my hope and my prayer that these words would be true for us and they would bring us great assurance and great, great confidence as well. That we would humble ourselves before Jesus and that we would receive his spirit and that we would embrace the sword of the spirit and begin to wield it properly. Now here's why I think this is so important. Look at our culture today. So a lot has changed just in the last couple of years at rapid pace. All right, when, when I was growing up, th there's always been like a sort of a covert um, attack on the truth of God, on God's truth, right? But it's been much more covert, much, much more hidden than in recent times. Would you agree? I mean, right now, there is a full-out assault. There's an overt attack on the truth of God. And here's what disturbs me the most, is that many people who are sitting in churches today, much like our own, who would say, I am a Christian, I am a follower of God, are falling prey to the attack. Why is that? I believe it's because we don't know the Word of God, okay? We have not become acquainted with it. Maybe it's because we don't have the Holy Spirit, or maybe we haven't allowed him to truly influence us more and more. Maybe we haven't spent time reading the Word of God and allowing his truth to set in into our minds and into our hearts because we're not wielding it properly. This is our only offensive weapon against the lies of the enemy. And the enemy wants to do what? He wants to, to kill us and, and destroy us and our way of life, right? And so I believe in our, if you look around in our society today, there is a full-out assault on God's truth. And, and it's manifesting in a number of different, different ways. Um, we're embracing lies in the name of inclusivity, all right? That's one of the things. We're offended by forgiveness. We sent out this article by Tim Keller this week in, in the E! News on Wednesday, it, it's, it's a little long. I encourage you to, to read it, but it, it talks about the fading of forgiveness in our society. Um, we, we've exchanged the victorious life that Jesus comes to offer us for one of shame and honor. That, that's really a culture of victimhood. That's what's happening in our midst. Um, our sexualities become fluid. It's a fluid thing. Um, we've abdicated our constitutional freedoms of religion to the government, in many cases, in the state of California, especially even in, in Virginia, and, and I was just reading this morning how, how that's happened in Ireland, and now um, during the pandemic that if you went to church, you were criminalized during that time, and so we've abdicated our freedoms. We um, have instead of chosen, instead of, of living God's truth, we encourage everybody to live their own truth, right? Live your own truth. Well, that truth is ever-changing, isn't it? And your truth, apart from God, is no truth at all. All truth is biblical truth. All truth is biblical truth. And so that's the movement, and it is happening so fast, I can't believe it. And so I, I am kind of discouraged because I'm afraid, you know, a lot of us are falling prey to this movement. And so here, here's my challenge. Here's my call 
to, to us. Um, it just takes a remnant to start a movement. You know that? And, and maybe it's just a small remnant right here. Maybe it's just some of us saying enough is enough. Like, like I, I want to take a stand, but, but I need help. I, I don't know the truth. I don't know the word of God. I don't know how to wield it properly. Well, then all you have to do is ask. We've been saying that for the last few weeks. Like, do you want the Holy Spirit in your life? then all you have to do is ask him, and he will come in, and he will come in the power and, and with his gifts and, and with his fruit. And he, as long as you are willing to allow him to have more and more influence in your life, he will do it for you, and he'll do it through you. But you have to be willing to receive him. And so I want to move into a, a, a time of prayer that's going to be a little different than what we normally do. And it may make you a little uncomfortable, but you know what, whatever. The, uh, you know, lots of people are perishing, and they don't even know it, so we're going to take a stand here. But um, it's just something simple. I've got some folks that are going to join me up here, and if you would like to experience more of God's presence, more of his power, more of his gifts, more of his fruit, if you want his influence to grow, more and more in your life. I'm going to invite you to just come forward, and, and we're going to have folks over here and folks over here, and all we're simply going to do is we're going to take some, some oil, and it looks like lip balm, but um, it's, it's like this oil, and we're just going to mark you with a sign of the cross if you would like that. And we're just going to pray a, a short little prayer just asking, Holy Spirit, come in power. Fill us. Fill us with your goodness. Fill us with your presence. Fill us. Fill us. So that we might understand and be properly equipped to wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So we're going to have some music um, playing um, just sort of lightly in the background. You're welcome to just sit in your seat and, and quietly um, enjoy that time and to pray on your own. But if you'd like to come, we would be honored to pray with you and for you.